The Zamzos Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzos. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzos growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you needed. Zamzos really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody knows. Like Zamzos. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzos Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. How's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show, and uh, I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. And today we are doing a pre-recorded episode of the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I am very excited to have in studio uh, with me recording today, Mr. Jim Zamzo. Jim, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to hang out with me today. Great to be here, Nolan. I appreciate it. It's been a while since you and I have done a pre-recorded show. Uh, I think it's probably like five years since we did Mm -hmm. that group of three of them. Time flies um, when you're having fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and those shows were awesome uh, that we did back then, and, and we've played them a number of times on on the show on the the show here. So, uh, so I thought it was time for a new one. Uh, we, we we you know get a chance to hang out with you. So I did something a little bit different this time, and uh, what I did was we have a uh, Facebook group on, on Facebook that I've managed for a number of years. I started it. And it's uh, for our lawn program customers. So people that are on the Zamzo's lawn program uh, are part of this group. And it's become a, a really nice community of people that are uh, very helpful for each other. And they, they come with questions. And you know a lot of times I get to answer them. But what's been fantastic over the years is that there are people who have been there for a long time. And now these other people are answering those questions and answering them and like I, I see them and I'm like I don't have anything else to add you yeah. you, you nailed it there so um, it's a great community a uh, lot of really nice people and uh, a, a great just sharing of knowledge and what I wanted to do for this show is uh, kind of give them a chance to ask Jim Zamzo a question so I told them hey if you had a chance to ask Jim Z a question uh, what would you ask him? And so I did get a, f- a few replies from there, and uh, I even asked them if they would be okay with me sharing their name. So I'm going to do that for those that uh, were okay with that. And then when we're done with that, I'm going to actually uh, make sure that they get a chance to hear this as well. So I think it's going to be a, a fun time. So uh, so let's get into it. Uh, we got the first question here. Is uh, She actually said that uh, good luck with the pronunciation on her name, but we'll give it a go here. Lavina Collins Henley is what I think how I would pronounce her name. Sounds easy enough. Hopefully, hopefully uh, Lavina, I, I pronounced that correctly. Uh, but your question was, Jim, there are two spots in my yard that turn brown and the grass dies off almost every year. What gives? Uh, so, uh, we kind of briefly discussed some of these, uh, you know, how we might address these, uh, before we kind of started recording. And this is one that 
uh, you know, when I read this, I have my first reaction is to have a lot of questions, right? Mm-hmm. And sure. I'm sure, and that's kind of, you know, something I've learned from Jim <laughs> over the years. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably where we would start with something, a question like that. Okay. I think you have to be a detective sometimes to yeah. figure things like this out. So, uh, I've seen over the years many, many different issues that can cause that. Right. Sometimes it's an uneven topsoil. When they, when they scrape the soil and they plant it, the higher area has subsoil and not enough topsoil. So eventually that area doesn't do as well as the other areas. Right. Sometimes the concrete truck yeah. that, that was pouring the driveway and so on will clean their equipment out in a spot in the lawn, which eventually becomes a, an alkali area. And we have to treat that a little differently, right. uh, usually with some sulfur or whatever. Yeah, I've even uh, heard of uh, people having a situation like that where they end up digging up and they find you know, a big, just a big chunk of yeah, concrete. Absolutely. You, know, <laughs> you get down a foot there and there's just a giant chunk of concrete because the construction guys, you know, they, didn't wanna, they couldn't haul it off. They just buried it in the backyard somewhere. So those yeah. are things that happen. And Even a septic pi- tank. You know, wood and, yeah, and all right. kinds of stuff buried out yeah. there. You never know what you're going to find. But uh, it could be that. Sometimes it's just an imbalance in the soil for one reason or another. And so we like to take a look at increasing the biological activity in that yeah. area. Do you mean uh, like a nutritional imbalance there or kind of a nutritional microorganism balance? I mean, those things are, you know, need well, to be in balance. Absolutely. And it could be- and, but what I'm seeing more and more often uh, where we don't have adequate biology in the soil. There's yeah. not enough life in the soil. Yeah. So we're making these teas. Right. Uh, and we're blending these biological teas that have microorganisms that can get that soil back to life again. Right. Yeah. And that's something we've, uh, we tend to talk about in the summer quite a bit, uh, you know, as far as our advertising stuff goes and, you know, really showing it in the store. But those, that involves, uh, something like you're taking, uh, chicken soup for the soil. And I think you, you're recommending you take like some leaf litter or some garden compost, something that you've already got in there. And then, uh, brewing that in the sun, yeah, and over a number of days to break that stuff down and start to become let it become biologically active and get into the soil and right. perk it right. And back in up. some cases now we're actually adding specific microbes. Okay, we actually have a microbe we call Aquahold, which uh, mm. converts uh, sugars. Uh, into a mucilaginous substance that helps uh, the soil to hold so water. So kind of like so, an earthworm casting sort of thing? Uh, yeah, very similar, similar to, that, to it, but yeah. Only these are manufactured, okay. uh, brewed specifically for that, that purpose. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and that's something I'm working on right now to develop actually more products down the road. Cool. So, But also we have uh, the Peniturf product. Yeah. If your soil is just heavy clay in an area and it doesn't allow water penetration or no air circulation, Sometimes that Peniturf product will open that ground up and help to... Yeah, I had uh, the first time I think I ever used Peniturf was very early when it first came out. I was still at the Chinden location, and I had... Uh, there's in, in the yard that I have now, uh, there's a the 
manhole cover for the sewer system, I was lucky enough to be the house with that in my front lawn. Uh, <laughs> You're uh, unlucky. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but for the first couple of years I was there, there would be this, there would always be this strip of discolored grass mm-hmm. uh, kind of leading up to the house. Like, I don't know if it was like, you know, they where they connected, where my house connected into that. Uh, but it was just always discolored for years, uh, you know, for at least a two or three years, the first few years I was there. And, you know, and I would put Thrive on it and I would, you know, always, you know, give it extra water, do all these different things to try to get it to come back. And and it would, you know, perk up a little bit from now and then, but it would always just kind of be yellow. Um, and then I, when we got uh, Peniturf, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a try because I'm kind of a sucker for any new products that we have. You know, I got to give them a try at least once. Yeah. Uh, but I used Peniturf on it that just one time and it never came back. And I was kind of blown away. I was like, that's, that's really strange. And I don't know if it was like the combination of, you know, you know, keeping it on a good fertilizer program for years and Peniturf just kind of put it over the edge because typically Peniturf, you know, needs to be reapplied in certain situations. Yeah, it, it probably um, is. Just you had good culture, but you know, ours is a, is an enzymatic product, right? As a as opposed to a soap type product. Yeah. So we actually stimulate the biological activity in that area with Peniturf. Yeah. But you know, one other thing comes to my mind uh, is the issues that we have along sidewalks. Yeah. Sometimes they turn brown early right. for for no reason. They're perfect until it gets hot. Uh, if you do probes, a lot of times you'll yeah. find that the road mix from the sidewalk, yeah. the, the gravel that they put underneath, uh, is over into the lawn. It's, yeah, kind of overlapped into. Right. So yeah. there's less topsoil there. So yeah. maybe you get more heat there. You get less uh, or too much drainage and, and less water retention. So yeah. Sometimes you got to. I've actually gone in along a sidewalk and dug it up, removed the gravel, put topsoil in, put the sod back on, yeah. and cured that problem. And that, yeah, and that might, you know, it, it's tough to say for sure exactly, Lavina, what could be going on, but I, hopefully that gives you some ideas, you know, where we can go with it. I think, uh, you know, doing some detective work, you know, there's a, there, sometimes there's weird things that can pop up and you're just not really sure what exactly it could exactly. have been. So yeah. uh, hopefully that helps. All right, we are going to go to a quick break here in the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. We are with Jim Zamzo, and we are answering questions uh, from some of our lawn program customers, and we will be right back in just a moment. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and for five days only, now through Monday, January 30th, Zamzo's is having a giant sale on pet food at all 13 Zamzo's. You see, with prices going up on just about everything, the one thing you can't scrimp on is food. So to save our customers money and give you the opportunity to stock up at a lower price, we're offering $8 off all large bags of our best dog food, our entire Grandma Z's Super Premium line, including lamb, chicken, Idaho trout and potato, senior, and puppy. Plus, Zamzo's Fundamentals, Chunk, and Pro Sport are all $5 off, as are large bags of Grandma Z's cat food. Don't need a large bag? All small bags of Grandma Z's dog food and cat food are $3 off a bag. And there's more. During this special five-day sale, all pet supplies for dogs and cats are 20% off. But don't wait. This sale ends Monday at the close of business. So come see us now, because for the best pet food at the best price, nobody knows like Zamzo's. News talk doesn't have to be boring. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10. It's Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 
How's it going, everybody? We are back here in the Zamzo's Garden Show, and uh, I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. Today, I am with uh, Jim Zamzo uh, in studio. We are not live, so we're not taking any phone calls today. Uh, but you can always reach out to us at zamzos.com. You can send an email. Those all come to me. You can also reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, even YouTube, wherever those things are. Or you can call a store, uh, and we'll help you out however we can. Uh, but today, what we're doing is a pre-recorded show where I've got a couple of questions from some uh, folks that are on our lawn program group on Facebook, and I gave them the chance to uh, ask a question of Jim. And I am bringing those questions to Jim, and we are discussing them today. And uh, we already uh, talked to Lavina uh, Henley. And uh, our next question comes from Cindy Kimsey, uh, and they ask... Uh, the last two summers, uh, we have, have caused havoc with my yard. Many different things happening. I think this with several dead spots. Any advi- advice on how to support our lawns in addition to the lawn program? Um, which I think is a, is a fascinating question. Um, because there's a lot of, there are a lot of things I think that we can do in addition to the lawn program. Obviously, you know, taking aside, you know, things like bug controls and, uh, weed controls. Uh, disease controls. Uh, those are some things that we do in addition to the lawn program. Sure. Uh, but there's probably a lot of other things that we can do as well, and we've got a great person to talk to about that. So, Jim, what are, what are, you, what are some of your thoughts on well, you know, additional there, support? One thing that my dad always did was put composted manure on our lawn in the fall. Yeah. Uh, he'd put on about a half an inch of good compost. and. Yeah. Uh, much to my mother's chagrin, it wasn't always fresh, uh, a good compost, but, <laughs> but uh, he, dad would put the sprinkler on it, and in two or three days, the smell would go away, and the next year, we, he would have a very good lawn. Yeah. Back in those days, they didn't have our lawn program, but right, that, yeah. it's always good to put more organic in the soil, continuously add organic into the soil to, to increase your carbon. That increases the biology in the soil which in turn increases the disease resistance, the insect resistance, and so on. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I like to do, and I've mentioned this before and probably will uh, quite often from now on, and that is making these compost teas that can get the the biology going in the soil. And one thing we haven't talked about is the way we stimulate the nitrogen-fixing organisms in the soil. They're the bacterium that are able to take nitrogen out of the atmosphere and put it into the soil, which allows you to decrease the amount of fertilizer you actually use on your soil. Right. Now, some people might say, well, that's counterproductive because then you won't sell enough fertilizer. Well, (laughs) actually, our job is to make our customers successful. Right. And so if we learn new things that can make their lawns better and it requires less input, then that's our job. Yeah. Well, and just to that point, I will say this. It's that philosophy is one of the reasons that I've honestly stayed with Samzos for so long and believe in what we're doing. Nice. Uh, that's just an aside because I, I believe that as well. Like that was something that was kind of instilled in me when I was going to school and, you know, kind of what I saw. And then I came to Zamzos and I was like, oh my gosh, they're kind of talking about the same sort of things that I was already thinking about. And, and you're right. It is, it does seem counterintuitive, but you know, like you said, our, our main goal is to help our customers. I do want to go back to just real quick before we move on. You mentioned the compost um, as a, an, an additional support for uh, lawns. So 
when your your dad would put this on, he was using a, a, a manure based compost. Yes. Yeah, and so that would be something. It, would he get? You mentioned the smell, yeah. so it really was. It, wasn't, it really wasn't compost. <laughs> so more more heavy on the manure than mm, the compost. Yeah. So of course that's the way they did things back in right. those days. I've learned since that compost really isn't compost unless it's finished. Mm. There's an old saying that from my teacher that uh, the the microbe always sits at the table first. Yeah. So we've got to break these materials down to right. where they're in their basic forms, which is the humic acids and so on which that's what really works in the soil. If we put on raw, raw materials, it's really not usable to the plant until it's biologically decomposed by the microbes. Yeah, so that's just to make sure I'm tracking with you. Yeah, that's the process, right, of breaking down before the plant can use it. It's the same sort of thing with like, uh, I, I think about mycorrhizae sometimes, right? Like mycorrhizae is not the root, but root needs to have mycorrhizae and in fact, it needs to have. I mean, I think they found pretty much all plants have to have some sort of mycorrhizae. Most, with them, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to actually take in enough nutrients and water to support its life, uh, but those things have to be broken down. It's that additional microactivity in the soil that's breaking those things down into a way that plants and the mycorrhizae can actually take it in and use it. Yeah, we're actually talking about two different modes of operation here. Okay. Uh, the mycorrhizae are an extension of the feeder root, and the the, the, the fungi, fungus filament, if you will, goes right. out and picks up phosphorus and things and brings it back to the plant. When we're talking about the biological degradation of organic matter, let's say you put that compost on the soil. Until that breaks down right. into okay. its basic, basic components, the plant can't utilize it. Yeah. So sometimes we run into problems when we put on a high carbon material like uh, maybe sawdust or some compost that's not finished. You're going all the other way, yeah. Well, until that breaks down uh, to where we've got the nitrogen to carbon ratio right in the soil again, they're really, we starve in the plants of nitrogen fertilizer. Mm, Yeah. So, uh, you know, you can put 20 tons of raw compost on the ground and really not have it do as much benefit as one ton of finished compost would do in that same same situation. That's why our humigreen uh, material that we use is so valuable because it's more of a raw carbon. Right. So it's so it, yeah, it's more like a finished compost. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's a great uh, to to that ish, to that point. Um, you know, when you we talk about you know we talk a lot about humigreen. Uh, what's the what would be the main difference to going like something with a compost as opposed like I I think doing the compost doesn't negate using humigreen. I would imagine. Uh, at least that's kind of how I would think about no, it. No, it doesn't. But, but what what what's the added benefit to the compost that's different from humigreen? If you were in a situation that you could use just a rich source of good compost, you wouldn't need humigreen. Mm. Uh, you would have adequate nutrients. You'd have a- adequate uh, carbon. Everything. The average person does not have access. Yeah. So. Humigreen really is designed for the lawn program for people that don't have access to good organic sources of material. Yeah. Where I was working with agriculture for many years, uh, farmers would say, well, that's all fine and, and good, Jim, but how do I put enough compost on a section of ground? That's a mile by a mile. That's 640 acres. Yeah. <laughs> I soon realized, oh, 
we've got to come up with some other way of getting carbon into the soil besides compost because there's not enough compost to take care of anything like right. that. But we have good sources. We have good sources in the city of Boise of our leaf uh, composting program, and, and there's a lot of good good sources of materials that people can use. Yeah, We want to access all of those. But Humagreen in our lawn program is the perfect combination. Yeah. And in fact, I tell people, well, you, they say, well, I'm on a lawn program and I don't have time to mess around with it, uh, so I have to have somebody else do it. Okay, that's good. But you're putting on mostly nitrogen fertilizer. You should at least put on an application of Humagreen mid-season. Yeah. If you don't do anything else, because right. that'll balance the carbon with that nitrogen. Yeah. Which brings me into a whole new resource of material I'll tell you about someday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, always a lot of knowledge when you get a chance to talk to Jim. I actually have a few questions to follow up with this, so we'll take it into the next segment. Uh, This is the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. We're talking with Jim Zamzo, and we will be back in just a moment. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and if you're looking for a new career or just a part-time job at a company you'll love working for, the grass really is greener at Zamzo's. We're now hiring up to 80 people for both full and part-time positions at our 13 stores throughout the Treasure Valley. There are three ways to apply. In person at any Zamzo's store during open interviews every Thursday and Friday between 3 and 5 p.m., online at zamzos.com, or by attending our job fair next Friday, February 3rd from 3 to 6 p.m. at our home office in Nampa or next Saturday, February 4th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at our State Street store. At Zamzo's, we offer great opportunities for advancement, plus a variety of jobs that involve working with plants and animals. You can apply in person during open interviews at any of our 13 stores between 3 and 5 p.m. every Thursday and Friday. So stop by and get a great job at a local family-owned company that's been in business for 90 years. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. All right, how's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and I am. Uh, we are back uh, to talk with Jim Zamzo today. We are doing a pre-recorded show, and uh, we are answering some questions from folks on our lawn program group on Facebook. And uh, the last segment, we were talking, uh, answering a question from Cindy Kimsey, who was uh, asking about additional things that she can do or they can do to their lawn. Um, we've got a few more to get to, but uh, I wanted to kind of double back on this one a little bit because we talked a lot about compost. We talked a little bit about um, some of the compost teas uh, that Jim's been working with and, and developing uh, for some time now. I wanted to bring up uh, just a few things, uh, you know, things like sulfur, things like gypsum, um, you know, lime. You know, those are other things that are sometimes applied to lawns. How do those sorts of things uh mesh with the lawn program are they needed in our area are they beneficial you know what what are some of your thoughts on those jim you know in most cases we have those those areas covered yeah but sometimes you have situations where maybe you have too high a sodium level uh in which case we would apply gypsum yeah if we have an exceptionally high ph then that's where we bring in the soluble sulfurs and that type of thing which help to bring the ph down the sulfur biologically degrades into sulfuric acid which which lowers the pH of the soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all just the chemistry uh, parts of soil. 
Lime, of course, is put on if we've got too low of a pH and we want to raise the pH. We don't have much problem with that except for in the river bottoms. Yeah. And if we get up into, uh, you know, McCall, Cascade sure. area or, or in the mountain areas where they've got mostly a degraded granite soil, which is mostly potassium-based, then mm -hmm. dolomite lime can yeah. be applied, which is a calcium-magnesium combination. Yeah. Uh, and that works very well in those settings. Yeah. It's it's interesting when I, you know, early on when I was with Zamzos, I think I, it feels like we almost kind of talked about those things a little bit more than we tend to now. Um, I'm not sure why uh, that's kind of happened over the last few years. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't seem to talk about gypsum as much. We don't seem to talk about sulfur as much. And I think it probably comes down to like they, they just tend to be very use case, you know, like the specific situations. So I would say to Cindy, uh, it might be worth um, doing some sort of soil sample here. You know, we have a really basic test kit at the stores um, that can give you your pH and your macronutrients. If you're on the lawn program, which we're pretty sure you are, uh, those, you know, the macronutrients are probably taken care of. But knowing what the pH could be a window to some other options, um, I, don't, I don't know how you would test for sodium. You'd probably have to go to the, take it to you the know, lab for that. that's probably not a real big issue. Yeah, and that's not uh, one I've really in, come across. In most cases, sometimes I run across it in agriculture, but, yeah. but it's not a usually a big issue. Most of the nutrients, sulfur and calcium and magnesium included, yeah. are in our program already. Right. So if it's not a serious problem, we're, we've got them covered. If it is a serious problem, and we do have a, a tremendous imbalance with the cations, which is calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium, then we can balance accordingly. Right. But for the most part, we designed that program to take care of most of the situations in our area if we have an exception to the rule, then we have to address it accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Hopefully that helps you out, Cindy. And uh, let's go on to the next question, which was from uh, Daniel Wong. Uh, he says, please ask Jim what he thinks about clover lawns, um, which is something um, I've actually been thinking about clover lawns a little bit this year. Um, I've actually thought about like a time lawn, you know, just lawn alternatives. Uh, personally, um, not everywhere. I still like, I, I like a lawn. I just don't like a lot of lawn. Right. Um, but I, I've thought about some of these things, especially this year, we got a dog, uh, last year and, uh, no one really told me what exactly a dog will do to your lawn. <laughs> I should have known. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, lab puppy, uh, oh, yeah. can tear up a lawn in in no time flat especially when she's got a lot of energy and loves to chase a ball so yeah. um so what are your what are some of your thoughts about a, a clover lawn or some lawn alternatives well used to be in the 60s and 70s we always included 10% by weight of of the seed white dutch clover oh in the grass seed in the grass seed itself really interesting yeah. uh we stopped doing that after a while for two reasons uh, one is clover has a tendency to grass stain worse than grass does. Mm. So the kids would get uh, oh, okay. too much green on there when they're playing out there. The other is that it has a white blossom, which attract bees. And if the people were afraid their children would be stung by a bee, then that was an issue. Uh, it turns out to be a tiny issue. Really, yeah. it's not <laughs> it, not worth it. But because uh, that got a lot of publicity, yeah, people had a tendency to want to pull away from clover. Uh, 
I think clover is a perfect cover for a new seeding, and I think if you don't have clover in your mix, you should put some clover down when you seed your lawn anyway. Yeah. There's a natural cycle between the legumes, which are the nitrogen-fixing plants, right. which are the clovers, alfalfas, etc., and the grasses. Yeah. If the grasses have adequate calcium and nitrogen, they flourish. And the legumes say, well, there's no reason for us to grow because there's enough of those things. But but as the the grass uses up those nutrients, especially if you harvest it and haul the grass clippings away, then the clover starts to move back in again because it needs to replenish the nitrogen and the calcium because it's more Mm. deep-rooted than the grass in most cases. That's why you'll see sometimes a big patch of clover out here and the next year it, it'll be mostly grass and it'll have moved around right because clover uh, you know is selective like that yeah uh, as far as just a clover lawn if you plant just a clover lawn it's probably going to eventually convert to a mix of grass and clover anyway interesting whether you plant the grass there or not <laughs> yeah uh, so but I do like clover yeah. and if you and if you're okay with the grass stains and if you're okay with uh, honeybees which I you know, I I rather like my honeybees. Yeah. I grow I grow yeah, them myself. You, yeah, <laughs> you have a, a nice colony. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do. So I so I like clover. There's a new uh, clover that we're exploring right now called micro clover, mm-hmm. which uh, which only grows to a maximum of about two inches in height. Uh, Interesting. But but it's 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 relatively rare and expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, the producers aren't really producing it yet. But I'm looking at that Interesting. Uh, with a, a curiosity as to that might be in a solution in the future. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had no idea that it was a common practice to just keep you know put clover in your grass seed. You know, over the years, I think we've had you know we've had we've we've sold clover, but actually to learn that. It was kind of just common practice at one point. It's kind of fascinating. And uh, I think, you know, those are kinds of things. It's interesting how things ebb and flow, kind of like the clover and grass in the lawn. You know, we kind of go through these extremes of, you know. <laughs> well, I have, a, I have another example for you, and this one's not a good example. Yeah. We, uh, back in, in the late 60s, uh, Scots at the time included uh, pen fine uh, bent grass which okay. is golf course grass right. that uh, in, in the bluegrass mixes. And so down in the area in Boise, Warm Springs, and the Harrison area, uh, we have, we, we're still fighting with bent grass in our lawns down there yeah. because it's uneven. It, it doesn't mow short. Right, like right. We're not mowing like golf courses. Right. So that's a whole issue, different issue. But we used to put it in our grass seed that's blends. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that is really interesting. So, yeah, I hope that that hopes that helps you, Daniel. I I think a full clover lawn doesn't seem like probably the solution, but mixing it in sounds like it's completely viable if you're willing to. And, and it's the same with the bees. You know, we used to we, we went so far away from you know oh we don't want the bees around to now people are yeah. becoming much more accepting of that. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously people that are highly allergic to it need to watch out for it. And but, the uh, benefit, too, with clover is it puts nitrogen in the soil, yeah. so you have to use less fertilizer. Okay, doing doing something good. All right. Fantastic. Well, we've got one more segment. We're going to come back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI uh, with uh, Jim Zamzo and uh, answer a few more questions. We'll be right back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. 
Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and for five days only, now through Monday, January 30th, Zamzo's is having a giant sale on pet food at all 13 Zamzo's. You see, with prices going up on just about everything, the one thing you can't scrimp on is food. So to save our customers money and give you the opportunity to stock up at a lower price, we're offering $8 off all large bags of our best dog food, our entire Grandma Z's Super Premium line, including lamb, chicken, Idaho trout and potato, senior and puppy. Plus, Zamzo's Fundamentals, Chunk, and Pro Sport are all $5 off, as are large bags of Grandma Z's cat food. Don't need a large bag? All small bags of Grandma Z's dog food and cat food are $3 off a bag. And there's more. During this special five-day sale, all pet supplies for dogs and cats are 20% off. But don't wait. This sale ends Monday at the close of business. So come see us now, because for the best pet food at the best price, nobody knows like Zamzo's. Nate Shellman, live, weekday afternoons from 3 to 7 on News Talk KBOI. And we are back for one more segment of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. With me today in studio is uh, Jim Zamzo. We've been doing a pre-recorded show, so we're not taking any phone calls today. But you uh, just remember that you can always reach out to us. Uh, you can send an email to zamzos at zamzos.com or reach out to us on uh, social media. And uh, I see those things and try to answer them as quickly as I can. Uh, but today what we're doing was we're asking questions from some specific folks in our lawn program group on Facebook, and they had some questions for Jim that I uh, am bringing to him. And uh, I have actually really enjoyed this format. I really think this is very fun and uh, informative. We're getting into some interesting topics here, which is great. Uh, we have one more question from a named uh, person, and that is Glenn Keller, and they ask... Um, they've been on the lawn program for a few years now. My lawn always looks like one of the best in the neighborhood. Over time, though, I am now getting a very uneven and lumpy lawn that actually gets hard to mow at times. Is this normal? Is there something that can be done that does not include tearing up my yard? What causes this uh, and what what would cause this? So, um, you know, it's kind of with the first one. There's always, a, you know, anytime I ask a question, you know, I, I kind of tend to ask you know, five more, right. um, because we do want to be detectives about this. So, um, there are a few things here that I, I can kind of see that I would ask first. Um, you know, the first thing I actually would probably say, is it lumpy? Like, uh, like you'd mentioned when we were talking about this before, and is it lumpy? Like, you know, maybe earthworms are going through and it's just kind of a general unevenness, or are you the kind of person that mows the lawn the same direction every single time? <laughs> I remember when I was mowing lawns in Portland, uh, we had a, uh, a house that we would drive by every week, you know, to the house we had to do. And I remember I would see this guy out there mowing his lawn. And what I realized is that he probably didn't need to stand behind his mower. If he had had an automatic mower, yeah. the ruts in his lawn would have just kept it going around and he could have just come back a few minutes later and, you know, exactly. turned, moved his mower off because he just mowed it the same way every single time and had probably been doing that for yep, years. Yeah, the wheels do make ruts in, the, in yeah. the lawn. And that's, you know, that's as a, you know, at the time as a lawn mower, that was, you know, lesson one. You know, remember which way you mowed last time and mow it the opposite the next time. Right. Um, and we, you just always change the angle. So that's one thing, super easy to do. Um, I don't get the feeling that that's what uh, Glenn is dealing with. 
Um, because there's another situation where you can just tend to get, you know, divots and bumps and hills in the lawn. Um, and so a lot of times those are attributed to, to an earthworm. Uh, what has been your experience in something with these sorts of things, Jim? Well, yeah, usually it's, it's the night crawler that causes the little bumps that causes problems. But we actually they're beneficial to the soil. Right. So we don't do anything about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, things will eventually level out. About, the, about getting rid of the earthworm. Yeah, we don't want right. to get rid of the earthworms. Yeah. We actually, years ago, people would put on chlordane or something just to kill the worms, which yeah. we now know is the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you get other varieties of grass, heavy bladed grasses that will mm. move in, that will be a different texture, make it uneven. Uh, but I, you know, without seeing the lawn or, or knowing exactly what we're talking about, it's hard to guess what it is. I love your example of the rib, of the, of the, the ruts the in ruts, the ground, yeah. because in my lawn, if we don't mow it one way and then diagonal across it the other way, we, we actually mow our lawn, or the guy that does this for us, mows in four different directions. Yeah. So he'll go around around, around one time, and then he'll go across it at a 15-degree angle, and then yeah. the next time it's 45-degree angle. Yeah. It's not as easy for mowing because they got all these little areas that they have to yeah, yeah. Uh, deal with. But uh, for the most part, that's an excellent example. Uh, more in different directions. Um, and even if it were something like an earthworm, uh, I think mowing over it, you know, a couple extra times at those different angles could help as well. Um, and, and, and I guess to answer the first part, yes, it's very normal uh, for that to happen in the lawn over time. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of times our our perception of a lawn is a golf course. Yeah. And I think what we tend to miss sometimes is that the way a golf course is taken care of is very different from a homeowner, right? Uh, when I was in school, one of our instructors was the head's greenskeeper at a golf course. And so he would, you know, actually take us uh, and show us some of the processes that, that they do on the golf course. And they are just I mean, they're flat out just different. You know, yeah. they're very different things done on a golf course that are done on, in our home lawns. Yeah. Um, you know, mowing short being just one of them, but also it's important to remember, you know, like a, a putting green is uh, a built-up medium that uh, it's not native soil typically. They're they're removing soils, they're doing extra drainage, they're bringing in lots of sand, exactly, and they're changing that up so that they can get that effect. That's not what we're going to have in our homes. Um, and on top of that, they're aerating constantly, they're reseeding constantly, they're you know over sanding constantly, and so they're doing a lot of work. Um, not to mention, you know, just the real mowers that they use are very heavy. They're very flat on the ground, and it's it's kind of doing that that work uh, to keep that level. And it's very important for a golf course to do that. Um, yeah, if you don't, then I don't have anything to blame my putts on. Exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but so that's so that's one of the things I you know I often think about. Like it's normal to have you know ruts and things when it gets to the point where it's difficult to mow. Um, you know, that's a, that's another s situation. I don't think, I, I rarely think tearing everything up and starting over is the right cause. I think there are things you can do before that 
to really move you along. Um, I've found aeration can be helpful. Aeration with mm-hmm. particularly top dressing. Um, that's one of my big keys. Like I always harp on that. If you're going to top, if you're going to do an aeration, you should do some sort of top dress. Yes, you should absolutely. put so some. It, it'll sort just go right back to the way it was. If you exactly, don't. you know, one of the things that I've really appreciated with the advent of cell phones is people taking a picture of an area mm-hmm. in their lawn if they're talking about it and I go, well, I'm, are you sure, you know? Yeah. And they go, well, here's a picture. And I go, oh, perfect. Yeah. I don't have to drive out there and look, look at their <laughs> lawn. You know? And these days, it's it's more difficult with traffic and so on yeah. to get around. So. Well, and you know one thing I've recommended customers do as well is uh, find a spot, take that picture, but take it multiple weeks in a row. Um, you know, take a picture, wait a week, take another picture, because sometimes you'll actually see, you know, maybe it's not as drastic, the change isn't as drastic as you thought it might be. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, don't don't tear it all up and start over from, you know, that's just a lot of work, it's a lot of money, and it's pretty unnecessary. One thing I have found over the years um, is you can, you can get those rollers, I don't, I, how do you feel about like the big drum rollers? So this is a thing you would get from somewhere like one of the rental companies. It's a big metal drum. You fill it, you know, good ways up with water, and you plug it up, and then you drag we, it across the lawn. We what used are your to do that. On? We used to do that after we would seed a lawn and and put the mulch on. We would do a rolling on it to set everything in position. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if you've got wet ground to put something heavy on it. Yeah. I mean, in agriculture, we try to keep our equipment off of the farm as much as we can so we don't compact it. Yeah. Especially when it's wet. Right. So, uh, and if you're going to roll down earthworm castings, uh, that does nothing. They're the just worms gonna, just turn around and put the castings yeah, right back where they were. Come so that up. doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think probably in certain applications it might be. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I think probably I I don't know. I I think my best suggestion would be to do that aeration. If it's that bad, do an aeration. Focus on some of the areas that maybe are a little bit higher. Go over those an extra time. Rake out those plugs into the lower spots. Kind of help it une- even top up a little bit. Top dress with a good compost. Top and- dress with a compost. And uh, I think you'll make a lot of progress that way, um, Glenn. Okay, well, we are just just about out of time. Um, and this was just, I, I, I'll tell you, this is exactly how I hoped this would go. I really appreciate um, our uh, viewers in the lawn program group uh, responding with some questions. And uh, hopefully we can do this again. If you've got some time, we can schedule yeah. another one in a, a few months or so and and uh, do question and answer with Jim because this is fantastic. Jim, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us. You're welcome. Love and, to do it. Uh, we will uh, be back uh, on another episode of the Zamzo's Garden Show in another week or so. Have a good one, everybody. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and on behalf of the Zamzo family and our almost 200 incredible employees, we'd like to thank the thousands of Zamzo's customers who donated to our campaign to raise money to help local animal shelters. These shelters are all nonprofit organizations, so from the last week of November through December 24th, we asked our customers to donate $2 or whatever they could afford to help the local shelters. In turn, we gave them a free stocking for their pet they could fill with toys and treats at a discount. Well, I'm delighted to tell you almost 10,000 Zamzo's customers 
customers stepped up and donated over $31,000 to the cause. We are so grateful to our wonderful customers and to our incredible employees who encouraged our customers to contribute that the Zamzo family decided to match what our customers donated and round up the total to over $61,000, which was presented to three local shelters, the Idaho Humane Society, Pet Haven in Nampa, and the Pet Adoption League in Emmett. So on behalf of the entire Zamzo family and our almost 200 employees, thank you for donating to help our local animal shelters.